Are you? Everybody, enough. If you're gonna double, gonna do that double thing, gonna join the double club with a double double king. If you wanna double, we can show you how. Come on, here we go, here we go, here we go. Now, double, 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 Hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of the Warner Bender podcast, the newly renamed and rebooted podcast, the only podcast that treats Warner Brothers, the WB, the same way as others treat Disney. Between DC, Looney Tunes, and Harry Potter slash Game of Thrones to their Marvel, Mickey, and Star Wars, these two have always been the main Hollywood juggernauts of IP. And just like Batman, every few years, we re-reboot the WarnerCast universe. This is actually episode 46. Uh, formerly, when AT&T owned the WB, we were called the AT&WB podcast, which I have uh, may have been the only one who thought that was clever. Uh, I passed out on a plane and dreamt up that name, and I woke up and uh, like I just said it yelling. I was like, oh, that's, that, "That's it!" And uh, anyway, uh, we're here now with uh, the Warner Bender podcast after Zaslav bought out uh, WB uh, with his uh, Shark Day or Shark Week or Shark Month or is it your year money? Uh, and uh, I'll be there for you. See, this Friends is a Warner Brothers property, so I'm just trying to tie it all in. Uh, <laughs> and uh, anyway, happy 100 years to Warner Brothers. Uh, my guest tonight has been in numerous plays now at the Helen Borgers Theater in Long Beach, California, and has guest starred in shows that have been on HBO Max and that were almost on HBO Max and moved over to Stars, I believe. He's super talented. He's super delightful. He's Paul Allen Dixon. Hi, Paul. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. How's it going? Oh, it's it's going well. Uh, just got another play at the Long Beach Shakespeare Company with you guys. Uh, I'm going to be in The Pillow Man with uh, your yes. wonderful wife, Holly. And really excited for that. And, you know, we're dealing with the strike right now, but it is what it is. And I'm kind of waiting that out and doing all kinds of other stuff on the side. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. This is, this is, we're in plug city right now. So let's plug more things. We have the, the Helen Borgers theater, Long Beach Shakespeare company. If you're ever down in Bixby Knowles, the little town of Bixby Knowles in Long Beach, uh, come see one of our plays, come see one of our, you know, fully staged productions, our radio shows, we have a lot going on down there at the theater. It's really exciting. It's really cool. Yeah. And uh, also, if you want to follow me yeah. on Instagram, Twitter, and all that, it's at Paul Allen Dixon. But I also have another uh, pod podcast slash YouTube channel called Film Vets, where we talk about trailer reactions and film reviews and people in the media and entertainment industry who were or are veterans. And uh, we're, we're just really excited for our network of stuff as well and uh yeah i just wanted to plug that <laughs> and of course paul thank you for your service oh, thank you of course 
again we're we're in plug city uh pl you can plug away too what were the, the again i told you that you were on i told them that you were on an hbo max again we'll we'll talk about the name difference in the, right now as well but um you're you're on a max show and a star show that's actually was made by warner brothers as well i guess yeah so i was on <laughs> hbo max's perry mason which was unfortunately canceled recently but i'm in two episodes of season two and I love that show. It's wonderful. I watched every episode, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, kind of sad it, it went away, but um, got to work with Matthew Reese and Eric Lang on set, and uh, they were both wonderful people. And then I also uh, was in Minx, which was on HBO Max, but they canceled the show halfway through season two, uh, which I'm in. But Stars fortunately picked it up, and we'll be releasing the episode I'm in later this month. So that's exciting. Woohoo! Yep. That's really awesome. So look out for Paul in both those things. Yeah. As long as Perry Mason just, as long as it stays on HBO Max, uh, we'll we'll be fine. I hope so. Because, uh, yeah, everything's getting pulled right now. Again, we just changed our our name. Uh, of this podcast it's the warner bender podcast now mm -hmm. uh, but um also hbo max is going through a name transformation uh and when warner had to name their streamer uh, they stuck with the strong hbo name right it's not tv it's hbo what? perfect yeah. but when they went up against netflix which became the competitor of all tv hbo became and john oliver said this it's not hbo it's TV <laughs> and, and also, and also HBO, I guess it's also that. And, and they, they needed something to call it other than HBO go, which I thought was a fun name. You remember there was H it was like, there was HBO go. And that was, if you had an account, but then you can also sign up for HBO. And that was called something different too. There's HBO, something there was else. HBO now. And then you can get, that yes hbo now is hbo go and now it, it got confusing i think it just, just it, you know i don't mind the yeah. names it's just i really didn't understand which i you know i would constantly go between the two and just be like well is this one the one i sign up for that's streaming or is this the one that i need cable for it, it just got confusing and i i think they finally found their footing with hbo max but now we're going to max <laughs> absolutely yeah and i don't i don't understand this, this going i don't understand why we would choose the max out of both of these two name oh, i have, i right? whole, wholeheartedly agree i i didn't like max at all and also the fact that it was called uh max the place to watch hbo it's that's like what are you doing <laughs> yeah it's it just seems so backwards and I think likely their ownership of Cinemax is where they they already had the name Max that they could use, and you know that was similar to Plus and all like like you know it's like Max Plus so Disney Plus Paramount Plus HBO Max it just made sense to all. Of are them. you just gonna? And, you know, Cinemax was. The... I'm just curious. Are are you oh, gonna go continue just to call it HBO? Because I I'm gonna find it very difficult to switch over to just calling it Max. I think I think so, yeah. or just like still calling it HBO Max. Yeah, like I don't, yeah, I, I, do. I don't mind saying four syllables. I, it doesn't 
bother me. I think that might be what people bump up on when they work these giant conglomerates. Like, oh, we can't we can't name a movie. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. That's way too long. And then that movie does really well. Yeah, they, they you know, the, I think the problem is there's these people behind the scenes and corporate people who they look at numbers and they look at statistics and they say, oh, well, this makes sense and we'll do this without really understanding what they're looking at and so they just go by well this is what it's the way it's always been done and this makes sense so we're going to do this and it doesn't always work out and it always goes a different direction sometimes you know it's uh, i think that's a perfect example uh they thought oh well we'll shorten the name and you know just cut off hbo but people are like no the hbo is the reason why you were considered so prestigious and max sounds like i don't know something i got with a happy meal or you know uh, like a little kid would get oh uh, max is gonna help you get your uh get your happy meal from burger king this week or you know it's just it's it sounds like something from the 90s <laughs> i know that's weird i i don't I don't yeah. think I your one stop shop to watch mighty max yeah mighty yeah. max yeah it's really weird i i'm not sure I'm not sure what they were thinking. Growing up, did you watch Cinemax at all? Oh yeah. Um, well, you know, it, it was the. <laughs> I know it's a, it's a touchy question, uh, right? Yeah, I, and there's a reason for yeah, that. Yeah, there's a reason uh, <laughs> that I watched it late at night when everyone else was asleep. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> and can we agree that the Cinemax brand? Is like, you know, immediately when I say Cinemax, we all think of that branding yes. as being more scantilous, as being more like softcore than everything else. And <laughs> HBO also had that stuff. Yeah. And at one point, they purged it from their system. Right. And I just thought it was so weird. Yeah. I was going to say, to us, that's definitely true. I think a younger generation would not know the difference. But it, but it's very it's very telling to me that these studio heads didn't take that into consideration at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they just seemed like they're like, oh, yeah, uh, Max sounds great. And it's like, did you not have that conversation where, you know, the thing that pops out for me is like I always go back when I think of Cinemax – it always goes back to that line in Austin Powers where Seth Green says, I'm going to watch some Skinamax later tonight. <laughs> which is a Warner Brothers yeah. movie, which is even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> the irony. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's the, you know, it's the hand making fun of itself. Yeah. However that saying goes. Now, I, I want to <laughs> make clear though. I mean, I, I still love, well, we'll call it Max, whatever. But I still love the content on Max. I think they are still making great yeah. stuff for the most part. I think that's really weird that they're getting rid of a lot of stuff. I don't like that. I think even if you feel like most of the programs and movies and TV shows that are not, uh, mainly TV shows that they've made, are not getting the same kind of streaming that bigger ones are, and you're thinking, oh, well, we'll just take it off so we can save some money. There's a lot of people that are fans of those shows. Not having a place, uh, an opportunity to watch them, a place to purchase them is ridiculous. I agree. Wholeheartedly. Yeah. If you 
if you own this content and like we we did live in a world where it was like we were waiting for movies to be remastered to be put on dvd and then blu-ray and even vhs and that took a long time yeah and you know then they would do the upgrades and you would get the ultimate edition (laughs) (laughs) yeah because that different different special features uh but we live in an era now where I, I do think that if you don't have your content available, people are just going to steal it. So you should have all of your content like readily available for like an easy price. Absolutely. And I think I think it, that uh, if there's one thing they should do in the future is bring those back or find a way to showcase them in another format at the very least. Uh, especially it's kind of dis- it, it's an, it's it's sort of um disrespectful to the artists that were behind the shows for these you know they they put their blood sweat and tears into these shows and movies and maybe they didn't turn out the way that max wanted them to hell it could have been studio interference that made them less quality we don't know but to say you know the show that you made is never going to be seen by anybody that's that's really heartbreaking it's even crazier when the like streamer the the big conglomerate i know there's like i think like the six major studios and i and i guess there was six and then fox was bought out and there was five but then i think netflix is now that sixth one again uh like they they just like they have all this content and they just don't know like what like if something isn't getting the numbers they want like it makes sense to then sell it to someone else who maybe can get bigger numbers and people to watch it but at the same time also you just need that you you know you you don't just make it disappear either like that's that's the dangerous part yeah it's it's not a good sign and it it feels like a lot of other companies are taking the same route with taking off things like disney it has taken off many shows recently and movies uh that were again i'm i'm not a huge fan of like i I tried to get into the willow series for instance and i i struggled Mm -hmm. with that uh but i still think there's a lot of people that are fans of that show i know a few people that are fans and they're very disappointed that they can't watch the show anymore so I don't know. It's it's a very weird time, and it's it's setting a very dangerous precedent. It is. It makes it makes certain shows, movies, just like turn into vaporware, which is again just so dangerous. Yeah, and, it, and it's also going to be a very big red flag for creators to come and work with these companies because they're like, well, what if my show is never seen? Why would I want to make something for you? And uh, you know, I don't blame them. It's it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like you know Marvel dealing with their kind of downward trend right now, and people are like, I don't know if I want to go work with them because they're not creating the content that they used to do before Endgame. You know that, and it, it's not mm-hmm. not to say that they don't have highlights, but it's just not the same as it was. And now I think creators are going to look at HBO Max, let's say Max, whatever. I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> uh, they're going to keep, uh, they're, they're going to look at this and then be like, well, you know, over here at say, you know, another company, uh, let's say stars. Sure. Why not? Uh, stars is like mm-hmm. keeping all of their content and all their shows right now. I'm going to go work with them because I know for a fact that 
at least for now, my show will be seen and it won't be turned into vapor, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. Or even a more uh, independent approach to art maybe will take hold uh, if people are more reluctant to work with the major studios, especially through, like, as you said, the writer's strike right now and mm. soon to be the actor's strike. Yep. So. Yep. It's, uh. We, we will see. Yeah, it's, it's really a strange time. And I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, we have the SAG strike looming, possibly. Uh, they, they've extended it to, I think, January, or sorry, June, July 12th, and we'll see what happens. But that, I mean, if you're having writers and actors not working, I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to make? It, it's kind of weird. And uh, there, I, I would hope, I don't know if this is true, but I hope that the unions are talking and uh, are are saying exactly what we're saying and being like, look, we want guarantees that our shows will not be destroyed. And I think that's a that's really important. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Or like, I mean, you know, physical media made a comeback with records, people buying actual albums again, because you want to own the, you know, you want to own the music, but you want to want to own like the best version of it. And like getting that big record is just like so much more like palpable to your senses mm -hmm. than as something else like a little cd or, or a cassette tape or something like that or you know an mp3 so maybe we can have a comeback of physical media of some form like i know we took off that that that, that terrible santa movie with seth rogan that nobody liked off of hbo max but like you can buy it now on ultra bray yeah i i mean that's the thing if uh if a show or movie isn't good, we we might feel that way. But there are people out there that would say, oh, I can buy this on Blu-ray and have it. I don't have to worry if it's not going to be on streaming anymore. I mean, the, I, I was spending way too much money on physical media, so I had to kind of cut it out. But once in a while, something really special will come out, and I'll be like, I really want to get that and get it 4K Ultra. You know, uh, last exa latest example I can think of is Dune. And... That's, that's oh, nice. streaming on HBO, but I'm like, you know, it's just not going to be the same. And now if one day HBO Max decides I don't want to have the show on here anymore, we're taking Dune off, I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> that's true. And it's also like it was made by Warner, but it was also made by Legendary. And the mm -hmm. Legendary owns it even more, I would think. Like, you know, it's a distribution deal with Warner Brothers. Yeah, if they said one day, Legendary decides, oh, yeah. we're going to have Legendary Plus, and that's where we're going to stream it. Well, <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, so you get, you know, you get the Godzilla movies, and you get Detective Pikachu. It would be a good streamer. It would be a good Man, streamer. And I love Detective Pikachu. That was such a good movie. Right, it's so hard. It's so good, yeah. and like as a cat owner, <laughs> like like every everyone having like a Pokemon that's their own little sidekick that hangs out with them, I just think is so cool. Chris, you don't own the cats. Work so they're not they're not they're, they're beings. You don't own them. They own you. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're, we're we're like I'm their sidekick. Yeah, is yeah. What I guess my point yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's great. Let's get into, as I, I, I call it, the W breakdown, the W beer breakdown of The Flash. Ooh, okay. I'm excited for this, in a way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I guess the question <laughs> I, I you probably want to ask is, was it good? Uh, was, I'm curious what you thought of the movie. You said you saw it, right? Yeah, well, I kind of like, we can go through it. Sure. I think for me, like, just going through the movie naturally, right? You know, there's the baby shower scene at the very beginning. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's a little silly. Baby shower. But I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's just like, I like, because they made that pun, I was like more okay with just how ridiculous it was, you know? Yeah. And then, like, cause it was so ridiculous. And just like the fast forward, you get to, you get to Michael Keaton's Batman. And then, like, you keep going forward, and then you get to all of this other stuff. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, those three big beats of just, like, Michael Keaton. And then that, you know, the the script that was never made that we get to see the end of. It's, like, from the 90s. And then the very end of, like, like... We had a conversation because you saw this movie early and I remember you said like, what, what do you expect at, in the movie? And I was like, well, actually, I, I know a spoiler because I had a friend who worked on it. Uh, but so it's, so I know this and you're like, oh, okay. And then you try not to make a face. And then I was <laughs> like, but like, I think there's other people at the end of this movie too. So uh, like it would be cool if it was this person and this person, and then you're like, I can't, okay, I cannot look at you right now. I have to physically turn around and hide my face because, like, what you're saying right now, and I don't really remember exactly what I was saying, but I do. Okay, the, so the spoiler I knew, my buddy who worked on the movie, he told me that uh, the Reeves were in the movie, the the Reeve and Reeves <laughs> Supermen, yeah. right? So George. Reeves and Christopher Reeve. Um, I did not know that Supergirl was in it. I did not know that they would like tie in their their universes together. And so, like when you see a multiverse, you get to see the '80s Superman and Supergirl from their own respective movies, like hanging out together. Like fucking blew my mind that they did that. <laughs> so, did the, did the CG not bother you at all? I think. I, like he he says the word chrono ball in this movie you yeah. remember that like he, he just randomly says it he, and he was he, like he says it with such conviction uh and it's just and i'm like okay chrono ball and then just like at the same time I'm like couldn't he come up maybe like i mean what could i come up like he's has to be the one that comes up with this name it's not like he studied like he, I, he has to be like the first person where he's like, oh, maybe there's maybe he did study time. And he's like, there's the idea of a chrono ball is possible. That's why he says it so naturally to himself, I believe. And again, I'm talking about Barry because there's a big distinction between like Barry, the character who's a he and Ezra Miller, who is a they. So be very respectful in, um, in the pronouns as we progress because <laughs> uh, trans lives do matter oh, yeah yeah um, i'm 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 um, kind of uh honestly f uh, yeah the, the cgi was not the best but it you know you do the chrono ball thing 
and it kind of explains why they went the route they did with the CGI and why it doesn't look particularly realistic. And I yeah, kind of I, I think it's when you're in the Chrono Ball, it doesn't look realistic. But I think the CGI outside of Chrono Ball is is fine. I just think. They CGI'd, like, remember the barista at the beginning of the movie yeah. and that he talks to a bunch? And then you jump into the chrono ball. And that's how Barry travels through time, right? He runs so fast, he goes into a chrono ball, and that's how they show you the expansion of time where each multiverse you see almost like a movie reel, um, like the like the, the frames per second like the old movie reels that you used to look into like in the early days of movies before they were on a screen and like the thing would spin the pictograph or whatever would, would spin and you'd just see a guy riding a bike. And, and, and here, you know, it was all of the classic, it was the multiverse, yeah. but in, in movie form. And this is the second time they've done the multiverse now technically with DC because they did it on the CW and they were very respectful there we got Kevin Conroy as a live action Bruce Wayne. We got the return of what they called the multiverse like 89, Earth 89 in and so we went back to uh we actually did go back to Gotham, Tim Burton's Gotham and we saw Alexander Knox reading a newspaper I remember with that. Batman on yeah, the Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that that was uh that was the one of the most exciting things for me going into the film was to see the multiverse, and while the the CGI wasn't the you know groundbreaking thing that I would have hoped for, I think the yeah. story for me personally was well done, and that really kind of trumped everything else, so to speak. Like I I just really got into it, and especially the second time I watched it. I kind of just got past all the weird CGI and was like, you know, I'm, I'm still enjoying this. And especially the fight scenes and things like that. I, I, I of course, I, I know when the CGI is there, but I don't know. There was just something so f vibrant and fun with it. You know, the way Barry was trying to teach Barry on the battlefield how to... <laughs> how to run and take out people. And it, I don't know. That was fun. I really liked that. And uh, Supergirl was a standout. So she was so yeah, good. I really enjoyed this film and I was taken aback how much of a bomb it is. I, I was not expecting it to be that bad. It goes to show though, you really don't know what people are going to respond to uh, with this industry. And it's like, you have people like Tom Cruise and David Zaslav and James Gunn all come out and say, this is the greatest comic book movie ever made, that sort of thing, hyping, hyping it up. Yeah. And people didn't respond that way. They, they were like, no, I, either I'm not interested in seeing this because, you know, Ezra Miller is part of it and I don't want anything to do with them. Uh, you have people, because of all the craziness, but uh, you have people who were like, I, I really yeah. don't want to touch anything to that has to do with the Zack Snyder stuff. It's just, I'm over it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm kind of burnt or out. the Or vice versa, yeah. where you had Snyder fans saying, I don't want to see this movie as a response to the whole, you know, the whole uproar within Warner Brothers. Right, they're, they're like, fans. oh, Henry Cavill's like, not just... coming back. I'm not going to watch this. Or, 
Zack Snyder has nothing to do with this. I'm not going to watch it. So you had you had both factions of fans going. I'm not seeing this movie. Exactly. It was. It's. Ba- it's basically just a lose lose now for Warner. Yeah. It's really unfortunate because I do think the emotional through line of Barry's story is beautiful through this movie. I think it works really well. And honestly, I think. Uh, compared to other comic book multiverse movies, I think that it's better. And uh, we'll go into that like uh, a little later. Sure. But um, well, I wanted to do like a Warner versus Disney segment. Oh, cool. Uh, I we could do it right Let's now. Let's do it. We'll do it. We can bring it in. Bring it in. So Warner, yeah, Warner, Warner versus Disney. Uh, while Marvel can really only go back to 2002, maybe like 2000 with their movie universe, DC has the benefit of going back to 89. And I'm glad they decided to pull the Keaton Batman action figure out again. He honestly hasn't missed a beat. They can go back to the 40s. Like that's how far back they could reach. And they did. And sure, there's a Hulk show from the 70s. They own older characters, but nothing like Batman, the the Batman serials of the 40s, Batman 66, and even Batman 89 and Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut, the original Snyder cut, the original DC director's cut. Um, People have such a hard-on for Spider-Man 8, and that definitely made less sense and had less of an emotional through-line than The Flash. Are you talking about No Way Home? Um, yeah yeah again i enjoyed that as well i but i do agree with you that this had a more overarching feel to it and and a more through line with it comes to the emotional aspects of it um i think the problem that a lot of people had with this film is it felt like baiting for you know cameos for cameo's sake, yeah, which I didn't feel. I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." Um, but some people have pointed out something like the fact George Reeves would never approve of this, and there's some validity there. I, I think George Reeves was very against the Superman role towards the end of his life, and uh, I doubt he would be okay with what b- being part of anything to do with Superman nowadays. But uh, I mean, it's their property. It's Warner Brothers property. They can do what they want, you know? A hundred percent. And as long as you're getting the estate, like, you know, there's an estate of George Reeves, I'm sure. And they would have to get approval from them first. And I'm sure they did did. that because they're a big conglomerate and legally they would have to. Right. right? So they got the rights. They got the ability to do this with all of these people's likenesses. And the point and Kevin Smith brought this up on his recent podcast. He did a Flash episode, which I'd obviously highly suggest listening to on Fat Man Beyond. <laughs> but he said, you know, the reason why actors act is to live forever. And that's what this is giving them. Like, their likeness is living on forever. And in the first Crisis on Infinite Earths, I call it the DCW-verse. You know, it's the CWDC, um, like, so universe. So many acronyms. The Arrow, <laughs> the verse, right? Exactly, yeah. It's an, it's just alphabet soup <laughs> is really what I should have called the podcast. Oh, wow, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, the DCW verse, um, I think that like the, in the crisis, they did a comic um, that was part of it. And in that you see every Superman and they all come together to, to talk for a moment. And it's, it's considered like the fourth or fifth crisis event in the comics as well. Cause they did a comic tie in you know, to the DCW crisis event. And again, all the Supermen come in. I think all the Lexes come in. And then you see, I think you see Christopher Reeves, Christopher Reeve, uh, Superman in there. And I think you see um, like a bunch of them, a bunch of different likenesses. And I'm sure they, maybe they would have to get the rights to do that in the comics too. But I don't really find this any different doing it in live action than I do um, in the, um, in the comic book. Oh, I agree. Um, I think I love I love what you said that what Kevin Smith said about living forever. Um, it, it's it's a tricky subject because yeah. I can see a lot of well, I, a lot of actors do seem like they're okay with it. They, you know, they give their likeness and they sign off and they're like, you know, yeah, sure, uh, put me uh, in CGI or whatever. You know, Indiana Jones is de-aged and now they have his likeness forever and yeah, he seems okay with it. I mean. I think it's trickier when people are still alive and they're like, you know, um, they, they, they're not cool with it. And, and it even goes back to like, you know, James Dean having his likeness used. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer for any of it. It's, it's just a tricky subject and it, it honestly feels like it needs to be on a case by case basis. But I think, um, I think this was a retaliation yeah. of not the general public so much as just the fans to say, this isn't what we want anymore. We don't want, we don't want the Snyderverse. And I, I think the general public was feeling that too. And I think, I think it's time to reboot. And I'm very thankful that's happening at this point, but this is a big sign of, yeah, I mean, you got this, this minority of people out there, Snyder only, you no, know, bring back Henry Cavill. Well, they did that, and they tried that, and nobody went to see the movies. And again, fans need to calm down because people were upset when Michael Keaton wasn't Batman anymore and became Val Kilmer, yeah. and then we got Michael Keaton back, right? People were complaining that we weren't going to have Ben Affleck as Batman, and he was just in The Flash. He's going to be in Aquaman 2 instead of Michael Keaton, supposedly. Like, supposedly they shot the cameo at the end with keaton's batman and then they had to redo it with affleck's batman because we can talk about the end of the flash too but there's actually three endings they yeah. shot on the capital step and with um with like you know six different actors and the final one that we got i think is my favorite so I'm, it's like the one i like the most but again i'm a very specific yeah fan. I, that, that was that was yeah. hilarious to me i was like oh my god how did they do this how did they get that to happen uh I do yeah. think there was a little bit of a tinge of like disappointment there with the fact that we don't have any solid answer on where we go from here. It, it just, it kind of ends and we don't have like, okay, everything's reset. We know exactly who's going to be who in this universe or where it's going. Uh, they left it kind of open uh, to this universe just existing, which is fine. But at the same time, we know that the DCU is coming and that we're getting a new version of everyone. So I, I'm a little confused and disappointed about that, but it's a minor gripe. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I do think that the very end of the movie, because the post credit sequence is with Aquaman, and I think the point of that was to tell you that you were back in the general DC universe, meaning more of like it was the DC EU before, um, and now that he's back and he kind of reset it, it's now just the DCU, and uh, you know I would think you know that means that Affleck is still there. Um, or, and, and I, I don't think that that final moment with, with Clooney (laughs) was, is any, is, is like where he like ends up, ends up, you know, I think that he like ran again and then like fixed it again, I would assume. And then, and then that's where he was with Aquaman. Yeah. I think he reset um, it again and fixed things. And and it was like, yeah, it was like, cause he was talking Aquaman about the fact, oh, they had all these different Batman and he was different people. I would assume Ben Affleck's yeah, back. Yeah, exactly. But we we know for a fact that Ben Affleck's not coming back unless something drastically happens. But after if this movie was a giant hit at the theater, I do believe there would be a consideration to keep some of those actors in those roles. Yeah, I think even they could have they could have found a way maybe to have Ben Affleck be Batman still. Uh, I think people would be really pissed though, because Henry Cavill's gone. Uh, so yeah. 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 I, and again, I think we will get them back uh, in time. I would think the rock was really smart because Henry Cavill, when he wrote his like tweet or his, he had like a poster of some kind about how um, he's no longer Superman. And it seemed, I think it was him maybe it was a different actor for a different DC role, but he seemed like a little aggressive about not playing the role anymore. And then um, I believe, and it seemed after he talked to James Gunn, even like I had the talk with James Gunn and I'm no longer Superman and it just seems sad about it. But then when uh, the rock was talking, he seemed more positive. And I'm not saying the rock's always a positive guy, but specifically here, he was very smart what he said i you know i still look forward uh, like in the future you know working with dc in a way that made it seem like that he's going to come back in some multiversal thing in five years or they're going to you know they're going to continue with him in some form or fashion i don't think that would mean like he's going to do all the animated stuff now and just always be the character but i think it meant more of like you will see this you will see this character again but not at the moment because they have a cool thing going on, but you'll see me far later on. I think that's much, much, much more smart thing. Well, to it's say. it's the beauty of the multiverse, right? We can do anything we want. We can bring back characters from, you know, the sixties. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, and why not bring back Henry Cavill for a cameo again? But I just I don't think that's going to happen for a very long time, if ever, because of the the way it was handled, which was not James Gunn's fault. I don't know why fans are so vehemently against James Gunn because he he was hired to do a job. He's there doing what the job he was hired for by the people that hired him. The problem was there was a shift in leadership and the people that were in charge are no longer there and it, they they should have kind of not let Henry Cavill come back for that cameo and kind of go through this embarrassing thing where he had to backtrack everything. Because that was already established that James Gunn was coming in to work on stuff and he was going to do something new. Uh, what that was, we didn't know at the time, but he knew and they knew. 
So it's just really ridiculous yeah. that they would do that. And I don't blame James Gunn. I don't know why anybody would. No, that that was all the rock for bravado, yeah. honestly. They like I don't think Warner Brothers wanted to get away in the, of the branding of the rock, so they let him go off on his social media for two months, talk up his movie Black Adam, like their movie Black Adam, and and talk it up, talk it up, talk it up, and then and then like just let him keep going, and then like silence him, like like you know two weeks after the movie, and then announce all this other stuff instead. But like they, I don't, I think it was too late to change the movie, and like The Rock probably wouldn't have let them anyway, so they probably just didn't tell him and just let let that all happen. And then, like, just, like, backpedaled two weeks later, and there was nothing he could do. I wholeheartedly agree. I think that that's probably what happened. Uh, I think... I, I don't completely blame The Rock, but um, he made a power move uh, because he wanted to basically take over the DC Universe in his own way, and it didn't work. Yeah, yeah. No. And I, I think he'll get his wish with of Superman versus Black Adam again at some point far in the future. Well, I think the problem but, with the Black Adam uh, movie was the fact that it wasn't made as well as it could have been, um, and they didn't really have a grasp on what yeah. the Black Adam character is. They wanted him to be an anti-hero, but they didn't really pay attention to the comics, I don't think. The comics, Black Adam is a villain through and through. Yes, he's a he, he loves his people, and he saves Kandar, um, but everyone in the world, everyone else that isn't part of the Kandar city, well, they can die, and he doesn't care. And I yeah. think, yeah, he's a dictator. I mean, when it comes down to it, and I mean, you got images of him joining the uh, what 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 do they call the, the League of Doom and things like that. I mean, I just I don't know. I, I I'm getting kind of tired of the trope of villains being anti heroes. Just make them villains. Like I, I see the whole thing with uh, yeah. Venom and which, which made some money, sure. But even but to, to an even more extent is Craven the Hunter. I saw the trailer for that, and you know my buddy and I on Film Vets went on a rant about it, and we're like, he's gonna be a anti hero. He's gonna be a, you know doing good against evil. It's like, did you read the comics? Do you know any? And you don't have to keep with the comics necessarily, but it's just. It doesn't make any sense to me. The, the the characters are established the way they are, and you're taking away a big essence of them. And I think that's the problem with Black Adam. They didn't really want to explore him being a villain because they're like, well, The Rock is too nice of a person. He's got this brand, and uh, we can't make him a straight-up villain. And, well, then don't get The Rock. <laughs> get somebody who's willing to go there, willing to be dark. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think that uh, expecting a blackout movie to make a billion dollars is a really silly idea. Even though Guardians of the Galaxy did so well, and no one expected that, right? But I, you know, we still have to check our expectations. Absolutely. With all of these films. Absolutely. And, and to a degree, I don't think, you know, again, another thing Kevin Smith said that then the he said when he was at the premiere of the Flash. He was whispered that if this movie does well, then we're going to get Batman Beyond with Michael Keaton. Yeah. But then, and that was that was said from the kid of the producer of The Flash, but then the, that producer uh, wrote on Twitter, like, that was false. Like, liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> but what what is false about it, right? Is it that if this, because is it that they were going to make a Michael Keaton movie, um, 
get Batman Beyond movie in general? Or is the is the true or false like if this Flash movie did well? Like are they still gonna make it anyway, regardless? Was that the lie part? You know what I mean? So Yeah. Just leaving that out there. Who I, knows? Who knows? Um I personally don't think they'll be doing a Batman Beyond movie because even before all this chaos went down, Michael Keaton was supposed to show up in Batgirl. He shot his scenes and that mm-hmm. that was the established like dynamic going forward it wasn't going to be batman beyond it was going to be batgirl with michael keaton as her mentor i you're absolutely yeah, right yeah. I, I i think there's a small base of fans that love batman beyond they're very passionate about that series but it's not it's not enough for people to go out and see the movie they the general audience doesn't know about batman beyond and they don't really care and you have to look at it from a perspective of, you know, the, the James Gunn, for instance, just looking at this and being like, okay, what is something that people are going to go out to the theater and see that is a brand name that everyone knows and will have a fresh take on, and that's Superman. But you can't bring Henry Cavill back because it's already tainted. That whole universe needs to be wiped clean. Yeah, that's true. Even with the Ezra Miller of it all yeah. and the things that they've done, it's, it wasn't healthy to bring them back, honestly. Ezra Miller should probably have not have been the Flash in the first place, but that didn't help mm-hmm. anything. I mean, you can grow to love them in the role uh, like I did in The Flash, but when it comes down to it, people were never going to go see that movie if they were involved. And that is a problem i i think they really tried to fix the problems that were happening after the fact but it was too late you know when when all this stuff went down warner brothers at the time was like silent they didn't say anything uh ezra miller was breaking into people's homes and doing all this stuff allegedly and they didn't do anything, and I think that really harmed them. Getting kicked out of Hawaii permanently? They, they Apparently, yeah. Apparently, they are banned from Hawaii. I don't know. But I, I, think, uh, I think it just... There's so many factors in why this movie didn't hit with an audience. And it's, it's yeah. very unfortunate. I, I, I don't know what this has to do with Disney. I want, I, I want to know where this is going. Uh, uh, what, how is this? Comp- yeah. I thought Ezra Miller's performance was okay in this movie. Yeah. Um, I do think my, my favorite line in this movie though, is when Barry says to Barry, wait, he's Batman. And he's like, yeah, why do you think we're here? And he goes, oh, I thought this was the, the cousin's dinner. I, I laughed so hard at that <laughs> and, line. I, 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 uh, my favorite line, I, I wouldn't say even a line, but my favorite part of the movie is when the berries are out on the field fighting and one of the berries, I'm sorry, the other berry, uh, there's two scenes. The part where, <laughs> for some reason, I'm going to go with berry one and berry two. I guess that's less confusing. Berry one goes, come on barbie and the other one's just like let's go party <laughs> and they and they just go fight <laughs> yeah. and the other one was when he stumbles he gets cut by one of zod's people on the face and he starts hyping him up on how to go fight and uh, all of a sudden we just have barry to just scream let's go <laughs> he's just like hyped up i don't know i just i love that scene so much and they um the the white stripe starts playing i don't know that was that was a lot of fun it was really great i think that's the thing a lot of yeah, I think a lot of people are too hard on this movie. 
I had a blast. So much fun. I had a blast with it, and I saw it twice, and I'll see it again. I'll see it a third time. I, I don't think, I think audiences, audiences have forgotten how to have fun. There's just too much negativity out there, and that's not to say that, you know, there's audiences out there that will go see something and really give their money and time and effort to. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse made a ton of money. And yeah, that was a great film. Uh, but this was a great film, and maybe it didn't deserve the same amount of money that that did, but it deserved better than what it's getting. Absolutely, yeah. I think um, I think overall between The Flash and No Way Home, uh, Spider-Man Take Me Home Tonight, <laughs> I think that uh, Andrew Garfield's performance was actually the best out of all those I movies. have to agree. Like, I was... Holy Very f- surprised how much I loved Andrew Garfield in that movie. And I love Tom Holland, too. He, wow. Tom Holland might be my favorite Spider-Man. But I have to agree. Andrew nice. Garfield was fantastic. And I was not a fan of his movies. He had, like, two minutes. Yeah. yeah. I, I was not a fan of his movies, but he brought the gravitas to that role. And there was even talk of him coming back for a Sony-verse version of Spider-Man. I think that's too convoluted. Just keep with one Spider-Man. I, I don't need that. But I think it's just uh, telling of what is possible when you give a great script to a an actor that should have shined in his own movies. Yeah, and they not only bring back the character, but they give him that final those final moments, that extra little uh, emotional beat of saving someone because he couldn't save his own and I think that is just so beautiful. And again, Andrew's performance, like he nailed it out of the park. I agree. For sure. Agree. Uh, yeah. And I just think that like No no Way Home and The Flash, um, like they're like basically the same, but people forgive Marvel for their silly sci-fi ideas or what people call plot holes or whatever, but they don't forgive DC at all. And I think they're both great. Uh, I think they both have wandering CGI sometimes, which is fine. And that's a hard job, whether it's putting a suit over Ezra Miller or it's Robert Downey Jr. or it's Tom Holland, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to look a little weird at times. CG is an art form, and some artists take more time or just take more care in their art across all media. And people forgive Marvel for it, but not DC. I think because there has been a lot of buildup of goodwill, I I would imagine, that Mm -hmm. they've had so many hits, whereas DC has had... A few here and there but it's mostly stumbled and i think they're they're ready to hate on dc more but me personally i i'm at the point now where i still love marvel and i'll watch whatever they release but i'm just not as excited for that compared to say what james gunn is putting together with swamp thing booster gold superman legacy brave and the bold that has me hyped and i love james yeah. gunn i think he's he's just a, a an excellent filmmaker and he doesn't he hasn't had a bad movie in my eyes i haven't seen one movie that i didn't like from him i don't know and i've been following his career since he made the trauma movie lolly love I, with his i actually have i have that movie i gotta watch it but i bought it i yes. bought it at a comic-con i was like what is this why is jenna fisher with james gunn on the cover i and i i think i I think I started watching it yeah. and I just got life got in the way, but I loved what I saw for the first like 10 minutes. I was like, this is funny. So yeah. yeah it's a mockumentary right. they did with all their friends at the time. Right. And uh, 
you know, the first time I saw a James Gunn film that really spoke to me was like Slither. I loved Slither. And so good. Yeah. And when he came out with Guardians, I remember I had all these friends who were like, I just don't care about these characters. Why should I care? You know? And I was just mm-hmm. like, dude, you don't understand. This, yeah, you don't know the characters right now, but you will. <laughs> he makes you care. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what he's going to do with Superman. I really, truly believe that. Yeah. And I think people are just getting really pissed off about the fact Henry Cavill's not coming back. But when they see this movie, they're going to turn around. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's cool that as Batman Brave and the Bold, um, it seems, at least the art that I've seen that they were using to promote the movie. And again, Annie Muschietti, who directed The Flash, they announced he's going to direct Batman Brave and the Bold. And it seems like it's going to focus on Damian Wayne. uh, But... The Bruce Wayne that they showed off in the picture when they showed Damian Wayne isn't the right, Bruce Dick Wayne Grayson. Batman. Yeah. I, yeah, it's the Dick I Grayson I don't think that Batman. was intentionally saying Dick Grayson's going to be Batman. I think it's just a very... I think it's going to... Sh- it showcases the, the dynamic between them. Uh, Batman in general, whoever mm-hmm. Batman is, and Damian. Because Damian is basically the worst Robin you could ask for. But at the same time, he shines as robin because he he brings a new way batman has to deal with having a sidekick it's not just oh, it's so yeah wonderful. it's not yeah. just oh this is a kid i gotta train and he's really into it and gung-ho no this kid's like i know what i'm doing i'm a ninja i can kill people why do i need you and i think that's fun i think that's gonna bring a lot of color i'm a baby assassin I'm a baby assassin yeah. i don't need to listen to anybody and uh I should be Robin because I'm I'm the son and I have better training and he, I, I love the fact he tries to kill the other Robins to take their place like that's normal. <laughs> I, I I think that's going to bring out a lot yeah. of colors with Batman that we've never seen before. Because where do you go with Batman? You know, you got the Robert Pattinson one who's doing the detective and the noir side, and you've already had the kind of you know dark uh, Christian Bale. Uh, films that have like massively successfully created that universe but now they're like okay we're gonna make him a dad and that's that hasn't been done that just i i'm excited i'm very excited and swamp thing looks like it's coming together and uh there's creature commandos which i think is the first one that's going to be released and it's just it's really exciting to me i do feel bad for blue beetle and aquaman 2 because they're just kind of there. And yeah, well, I think Blue Beetle will definitely it looks like a breath of fresh air. And I think it it looks like, you know, it has a it still has a bunch of the tropes, but I think it looks like a very energetic and fun movie. And I do think it'll do well. And and it's young and fresh. And I think that it can uh, pulsate in the new universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll see though. I don't know about Aquaman too, but that move the first one made a billion, so they they're making a second one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's kind of stupid if they didn't, right? I mean, why wouldn't you? But yeah. I don't think it's going to make another billion after the stream of losses that we've had with DC movies, unfortunately. But you never know. You know, Jason Momoa is very we'll Jason Momoa is a very charismatic person. And I, yeah. I'm going to be there opening night, even if I don't really 
think it's going to be a great movie or not. I don't care. I, I'm a I'm a Marvel DC shill. I'm going to go out and see these movies opening night because it's exciting. But the general yeah, they said like that the highest demographic of people who saw the first Aquaman were like female Jason Momoa fans. Not like, surprised. and they're like they're like women like you know like 50 to like 70 oh, yeah. it's like older with oh yeah <laughs> yeah i think they yeah. might have made more money yeah. with the flash if people knew jason momoa was showing up in this movie i i don't know maybe not but Absolutely. they probably would have but it, the problem is it's just a cameo i mean he was in the justice league movie and that didn't make any money so i don't it's weird it's like if he's the lead yeah. in the movie that's one thing if he's just a side character nobody gives a shit <laughs> yeah so you asked me before what I thought of The Flash. I, I honestly, I really loved the movie. Uh, I loved the Michael Keaton of it all. As I said, I don't think he missed a day. I loved that he hid his chin under his beard when he was first introduced. And then, like, you know, you, you finally get the reveal of the bat chin and the bat lips at, at one point in the film. And you're just like, yes! <laughs> the way he moves in a suit, even in the outdoor fight scene in Russia when it's clearly a cg michael keaton is phenomenal like they made they made cg michael keaton fight like the, the, like to me the whole michael keaton of all it was like reading a batman comic mm. book where like the bat or sorry it's like reading yeah it's like reading a flash comic book where he does the same thing he goes back in time and then he ends up in with michael keaton's likeness and it's just so cool that it's actually him and and you see Michael Keaton's Batman in different environments. Like you see him in Russia and you're just like, okay, now there's this entire sequence, this new sequence of Michael Keaton's Batman. And again, I just like everything about it, like the way he moves, the way he does all of his punches and kicks is just like every moment of that I soaked in was just like, I love this so much. Everything that he said was just like, yes. Well, but I I really thought he was going to make a high fiber joke um, when he was making spaghetti. And maybe he did, but I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, Michael Keaton was a big get for this movie because he was a highlight. And seeing him again brought back so many memories. He was my first Batman, uh, besides maybe Adam West. But this was my this was the one that really got me into Batman more than anything else. Me too. Me too. I watched, uh, I, I did watch Batman 66, like on TV nice. and like every time, every time it came on, I would be like, oh my God, like I would have to sit and just watch it. Cause yeah. you know, you never knew when you would see it again. Yeah. And then the Batgirl would come up sometimes and in our motorcycle and you'd be like, oh my God, Batgirl, this episode. <laughs> oh, that's sick. It, to just lose your mind as a little kid but like the how bright it was it was just so much fun i knew it was corny as a kid but i loved it anyway and i do think i do think batman almost kind of works best when you do balance the corny with the dark and brooding um but i love that i love just the dark and brooding too don't get me wrong and i love just the ones that are super campy yeah. so i love that batman can be all of that yeah. you know yeah i totally agree and batman 66 was was just phenomenal i mean it's it's a great movie and uh you know i never really got in the series into the series like a lot of people did i saw the movie and uh yeah, oh yeah um but again uh michael keaton bat shark repellent that's yeah. what we needed for david Dazlav, <laughs> is bat shark repellent 
since he's the king of Shark Week. I, I agree. I think that's a I think that's great. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about the spaghetti for a moment in the sure. flash? Because Keaton's Batman explains the multiverse is a is a pot of spaghetti. Uh, Barry adds a tomato sauce can to his mom's cart so his dad doesn't leave the house to later get another because she forgot it and when he left she was murdered um and then and they changed the shelf too which is really funny because i'm thinking in my head like they changed the shelf for the shot in the movie at, like where the tomato sauce can is and then they mention it in the movie because they knew i was going to think that it's so yeah. funny and in many ways uh, barry putting that can back is what you know ends up killing his mom like we don't know who kills his mom in this movie because annie muschietti was saying I'm, i set that up for the sequel but it's like well you don't know if you're gonna get that dude and i heard the term like don't set the table for tomorrow when you're eating for today yeah. i think that's so important for these big movies yeah unfortunately that that is very true i mean honestly it it still works without knowing who killed his mom yeah i just assumed it was it was 18 year old barry barry too like i just thought he also did that i i did too but i that didn't make that didn't make any sense to me but um because he was very against killing anybody uh, or getting anybody killed yeah but i i do think it was confusing why he would go back in time and not try to stop the person that directly killed her as opposed to going it back in time and doing a switcheroo for the cans yeah, I think I think it's mostly just because of how much the movie sets right. up that Bruce was able to help with the camera and that like his dad is right now in the court trial. I know you can like go back, but like you know the, it's all about that court trial, right? So if you can just do this one if you could just change this one thing, like he's just trying to think of one little thing to change and, and you know and his his mind is just so obsessed with the court and with like all like all of that just because of all the all of what he's been through in that day i think it is a logical decision to go back and just change the can yeah i mean it, it's fine yeah. it's I, fine it's just it, that's a logical thing to do i agree completely i think mm -hmm. the Ill, the logical thing to do is to go back and go find the person that did it but that's a more emotional thing, I think, and it would have still worked either way. But I like the route they took. I, I was really interested in that. I just I, I would have liked maybe just a call out at the end of saying, well, you know, who killed her and set up that mystery. That's, yeah, I, I think that would have been definitely fun, especially with the after credit scene or something. But it's fine. Um, we're, we're never going to find out, I guess. Uh, I, I I'm going to assume it was the reverse flash. Like it is in the comics, like it is yeah, in the see, TV I, show. Yeah, yeah. I, and he did say the sequel was going to be about Reverse Flash, and I and I just assumed that like eighteen year old Barry too was kind of Reverse Flash. I figured it out at a certain point in the movie. I whispered to Holly, and I was like, "Oh, Barry too is going to be the guy thing that like pushes him out of the timeline." at the beginning of the movie and i got, ended up getting that right and it's cool how they slowly reveal that because he gets the shards on his arms that. yeah and then he keeps going and then it just keeps getting worse and worse and then you know they want the audience to realize at that moment and it's really yeah. cool and the one thing that i bumped up the honestly the only thing i bumped up on in this movie is that that barry, barry two keeps going back in time and then for some reason we still get barry two being 18 again 
and then he's still helping Barry one fight. And it's like, wait, hold on. I thought you just kept going back until the point where you turned into this crazy reverse flash. Yeah, why thing. did he come back? And no. and but you're, yeah, but but you're also just there as as eighteen year old Barry. So I was just like, but I guess there's time, so it doesn't matter. But I thought at at, at that point, Barry two, eighteen year old Barry should have like been been the only there, not have been split. I agree, and, and you know what really confused me and maybe you can explain this, was whenever Barry's, any Barry, went back in time at the beginning, there was another Barry there. So, for instance, when he went back in time towards the end of the film to stop himself from moving the can, uh, mm-hmm. there was still the Barry there. So, I guess, yeah. I guess I was confused, like, whenever they went back in time to get back into the fight, why wasn't there a double of them there? Because they... There should, there should have been, been like more and more right, berries. Right. So that was confusing for me. That would have been the perfect Grant Gustin. Like, like they could yeah. have just introduced, like they could have had John Wesley ship. Like they could have just had a, all of oh, them. Man, in. see that, that would yeah. have been cool. Like having just a multitude of flashes on the battlefield. That would have been crazy, but yeah. I would have dug it. Um, have them interacting and being like, where the hell do you come from? Like, I don't know. John Wesley shifts out there and uh, Grant Gustin. And yeah, why wouldn't you have Grant Gustin in this? I really didn't understand why you yeah. didn't want to have a cameo from him, but yeah, supposedly they did. Grant Gustin supposedly did say he may have shot one, but I, I do think it's almost fine that he didn't just because, uh, Ezra Miller's Barry Allen shows up on in the crisis event on the CW. Right. So he shows up in the CW verse. So you do see him and Grant together. And maybe it's as maybe it's as simple as, oh, we've already done that, so let's not do that again. But I also don't think Warner Brothers is that backward thinking backward thinking like have we done that? I don't yeah. even think they you know, who knows like if Annie Muschietti is even aware. I hope he is that um that Ezra Miller showed up. He, on you the know, CW. that's a good point. He might not even know. And maybe people are just assuming, <laughs> yeah. well, you don't like Grant Gustin. He might not be even aware because he's, he's off making the movie. You know, he doesn't have time to sit there and watch the TV shows. Uh, you know, so maybe he yeah. just didn't, he wasn't aware of it. And uh, I mean, whatever, it's not the end of the world. Uh, but I think, I think it would have gone a long way to getting Grant Gustin fans in the, the theater invested yes, yes. Yeah. because my brother-in-law who's 18 he grew up with the grant gustin show uh the show just ended it would have like and so he would have resonated more it would the this movie would have resonated more with him he's such a spider-man fan too but this movie would have resonated more with him if he if grant gustin was in it i think the perfect opportunity for grant gustin honestly besides your barry idea which i think is cool is that when george clooney comes out of his limo because you know it's the feet and then i was even like who is this gonna be i'm so excited and i guarantee i guarantee you that when we talked i said it would be cool to have Clooney back and then they did they they did did. it they actually did do it (laughs) that that was that was mind-blowing to me because the fact that that man would show up as bruce wayne 
<laughs> after after talking so much crap about that movie for years, it's it's pretty crazy. I heard rumors like he has cards in his wallet, and if you tell him I like I saw you in Batman and Robin, he'd give you a card that apologizes. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> I, I would uh, I would kill to see that. I also heard the uh, he has a uh, poster of the movie in his home, so he can look at it every day and remember. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, but I think I think it would be funny if if um, George came out of the car and and he was like, "No, I'm I'm Bruce Wayne," and then shakes Barry's hand and he goes, "And how are you, Barry? This is Barry." And then Grant Custon also oh, comes out of the see, limo, and he man, yeah. see, and like that would have been perfect. And then you're like, "Oh, the DCW Batman is George Clooney." <laughs> I think that the the mistake they made. One of the fatal mistakes of many of this movie was the fact that they concentrated for some reason on the other characters being part of the multiverse as opposed to the Flash being the focal point of everything. So, you know, whenever he, you see these other worlds, yeah, it's cool to see George Reeves, Christopher Reeves, Nicolas Cage, all these characters and actors. But really, we should have been seeing stuff like Grant Gustin. We should have been seeing more John Wesley ship. We should have seen like multi-version, multiple versions of The Flash as well, if not more so. Because we did see one, one Flash, Flash and yeah. it, it looked like it was a what's his name? It was the, the one from yeah, Jay Garrick, but he but I I had no idea who he was. I was like me yeah. neither. It looked like a moving Alex Ross drawing. Well, apparently it was the one from the WB show. So No, he he said he didn't do it. Okay, well, I neither, have no idea like, who he like, is then. <laughs> Which is a problem. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's cool you got a Jay Garrick in there and for a minute I was like did the old George Reeves show have a Jay Garrick? Is that is that like from the show? Yeah, no, they, they, I think what they did is they took a drawing and then they animated it like seriously. I don't think it's actually Alex Ross drawing, but they took, they took an old, older drawing and I think it's legit. Like that is earth one Jay Garrick from like the actual comic book. Maybe. Well, I mean, I'm not that's, sure, but I think that's what they're that's going cool, for. That's cool, but it's not clear. And it's also not, it's not really if that's the only flash you're going with i mean i i expected honestly to go into each of these bubbles and see a different flash running and yeah. i think they could have done that easily as opposed to showing superman over and over it's like it would have been really funny if you did see a different flash in each one so when you got to the christopher reeve universe you see a flash running but instead of it just being ezra miller or grant gustin or John Wesley Ship, it was like an actor from the eighties who you can believe that they would yeah. have cast as the Flash. So it's like Michael J. Fox, and it's his likeness like running past as the Flash right next to the Christopher See, that, Reeve. That would have been cool. And Helen and Helen Slater. That would have been really cool. Why not? You know, do something really different with that. Yeah. I, I again, I'm not. Yeah. Oh no. my gosh. Or no. You have Eric Stoltz <laughs> as the Flash in one of the universes. Come oh on, yes, yes. Why are we writing this right now? That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the Eric Stoltz stuff. Barry has Looney uh, Looney Tunes background on his computer. I, I need to mention that, of course. People would just shoot me if I didn't. <laughs> uh, but the Eric Stoltz as Marty McFly uh, references were great. Love that the entire scene. Uh, seem to be uh, from the reshoot, maybe, because uh, I feel like this movie does feel 
like chunky in the way the Batman feels chunky and some of the some of these movies that were shot over COVID just because like they had to stop and then go back and shoot and then stop and shoot and just feel like it feels a little like oh you clearly shot this like two years later (laughs) like this one this these three scenes uh but I think like the scene when he's in like when he's talking about Eric Stoltz with all the people in his apartment, I think that was obviously shot later just because they mention all the justice league, mm-hmm. you know, and it's very punchy and funny. It justifies why Barry would want to help save the world too, from Zod, uh, you know, and it mentioned cyborg. So the scene's definitely filmed later. Hmm. Um, I thought uh, his tooth would somehow um, be how he defeated the bad guy. Cause his tooth falls out and then they, they do use it at the end of the movie. It's the last little beat, which I think I thought was cute. Yeah, but it, it I don't know. It didn't bother me. I, I, I thought it was just funny. I, I, I think it was just a quirky thing they wanted to put in the movie, like a fun little thing. And it didn't have to be anything else. It didn't have, to, not everything needs to set up for something to happen at the end of the movie. So, well, it, that's, that's funny, right. right? Like, like the idea of like, of like as a as an audience member you're like oh that's going to be for later and then it's just a little gag at the end like the fact that they thought to have it as a gag as opposed you know like they're they're reversing your expectations a little bit but in a funny way i know i, I thought think. that was fun so i'm just like oh here's Chekhov's yeah. gun i i was thinking of i don't know if you ever read the um avengers comics the ultimates yes. for the ultimate I universe did. but there's that one there's and you know it's basically what they based what the Avengers movie is based off yeah. of, but there's that one scene where Hawkeye, he's stuck being interrogated, and the way that he gets out of it is he rips his fingernails out and he flicks them at yep. people, and then he's able to get out of the situation. And I thought that's what he was going to do with his tooth, like rip it out and flick it at somebody. Oh, that would have been kind of cool, actually. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think it was cool just having it be a fun little gag. It, it didn't, it didn't. It bothered me at first, but when I thought about it more and more, I was like, yeah, it's a fun chuckle. Who cares? It doesn't need to be a thing. I think the only problem with it was it's like the final thing that happens in the movie besides the the post credit scene. I think it should have been maybe something yeah. a little more powerful and uh, moving as opposed to a gag. But I digress. It, it, it still isn't the end of the world. And I think, uh, I think it, again, is... A solid film all in all. I don't have a problem with it. I think people are really just hating on this movie to hate on it for some reason or another. Absolutely. Yeah, again, I don't think it's any worse or better than Spider-Man No Way Home that made a billion dollars and that people, like, love. And I think that this I think, honestly, Spider-Man No Way Home, I can see the seams, and it seems like none of those villains were there on the same day shooting. Like, Rise Eiffen... I feel like they got him at the last moment to come back and they shoot him in completely different areas when they're all walking into the apartment together. It's like Jamie Foxx and then Rise Eiffel and uh, uh, Willem Dafoe. I'm like, uh, they didn't get any of these actors on the same day. They are all there on a green screen in Georgia on separate days, just whenever they can get them. And it seems very obvious to, to me anyway. So that that honestly took me out of that movie a little bit. It's, it's, you know, not again, not bashing on the movie. I still like the movie a lot. But again, I think it's oh, just yeah. as good as this Flash movie. Nick fucking Cage <laughs> as Superman fighting a giant spider. Oh, man. Wow. That blew me away. 
Yeah. Wow. I okay. For, I noticed George Reeves, George Reeves, Christopher Reeve, and Helen Slater, Supergirl from the nineteen eighty four movie Supergirl, confirming again they are in the same universe, and I believe they they're doing that for the first time. Uh, I get. I saw that original Jake Garrick, which again I'm just gonna say is an Alex Ross drawing, animated and moving. I don't know. I saw the '40s serial Batman, um, such as Lewis Wilson and/or Robert Lowry. I don't know which one it was exactly. Wait for but, which um, one was that? You know they were. So Lewis Wilson and Robert Lowry played Batman, but in the 1940s Columbia serials. Oh. Yeah, so they were definitely there. Again, I don't know which one it was. Maybe it was an amalgamation of both that kind of had the cowl on. So Robert Lowry played Batman in the second serial, Batman and Robin. And I should also mention, too, that uh, Lewis Wilson, uh, the other Batman, he was the first, he was the original one. He um, is the father of Michael G. Wilson, the co-producer, along with stepsister, uh, Barbara Broccoli to the James Bond series. Wow! So, uh, he you know, he he Michael G. Wilson's father was actually the original Batman. He also makes a cameo in most of the movies. Michael G. Wilson, most of the Bond films, and oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's a little history for you. But yeah, the original Batman is not Adam West. It's actually. Lewis Wilson and Robert Lowery, and you see those those original serials uh, in the you see that multiverse there in this film, which just completely blew my mind. That yeah, yeah, that's canon. That's part of the DCEU, and just pull that in is just so cool to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm really into it, and I I think uh, I, it sucks that I was kind of spoiled. That that I remember earlier you were talking about how you ask me for cameos, but uh, yeah. not to spoil anything. That was the thing that got spoiled for me way before the movie came out. And uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it's, it, it still excited me, but the thing, the, the weird thing was, it was actually Andy Muccietti who went out and said that they had Nicolas Cage in the film. I'm like, oh man, I really wish I could have seen that on my own when I saw the movie. To be honest, I forgot about it towards the end of the film because I was like so caught up in what was happening. Yeah. Either way, God, I, to see something like that on the screen that we thought we'd never get. I remember when I was younger, I was really excited for Nicolas Cage to play Superman because it was such a different casting than I anticipated. I was really thrown back by that. And uh, he's a huge fan of Superman. I mean, even I think he named his kid Kal-El. Does he have a Superman tattoo yeah, as well? Yeah, I think so. Maybe. Yeah, I think yeah, and I think that Tim Burton really emphasized that this iteration because of the casting of Nick Cage, you can really see the alien in him. Right. That, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that's what he was going for. Cuz Nick Cage does look like an alien <laughs> for sure. I think that's what they were going for and I think it I think it makes total sense in Tim Burton's mind. I don't know if it would have worked. Yeah. Uh, I think the problem the biggest problem was John Peters being weird about what he wanted in the script i mean i think at one point he said he didn't want him to fly kevin smith said that and i was like 
what? <laughs> like, I want a giant... Yeah, which is funny, because then they, they did do, a, they then did do what, 11 seasons of Superman not flying on Smallville? But yeah, which, I mean... Yeah, it's... Yeah, that, that's that was weird. weird on that, its own. That's your decision for the movie. That, like, that's a good that's a good idea for a TV series, but like, not like that. You don't want to pay for him flying every day, <laughs> you know. But I think that even got that got um, really annoying in the TV series for me because it was like, I, I think it just got too. It, it was too long. Like, I think four or five seasons would have made sense, but eleven. Like, the dude was in his 30s by the time they got to the end. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They brought him back for Crisis, the CW, DCW. Which I, lo- I love the event. way they did that, where he was like, oh, yeah, I don't have any powers. I'm I'm done with all that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Lex yeah. Luthor's like, what the hell, man? <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but... Uh, but yeah, as you said, John Peters, his his famous idea, which was to end the movie uh, with the giant spider, which is how he ends up ended it. Like he ends up godding his way for the Wild Wild West movie. You know, ends up in the mechanical spider. <laughs> the way that, ne- that was John the Peters. way Kevin Smith tells that story cracks me up to no end. Yeah, uh, it, it's, oh, it's so weird and so out there. And look. Maybe it would have worked. I don't know. For that short scene, it was exciting. But because we know the history of the giant spider and all that, I don't know back then when it was released if it would have worked, to be honest. I also don't think Tim Burton was the right person for Superman. I I, I think his version would have been interesting, but it wouldn't have been Superman the way that it needs to be, which is the, the golly shucks farm boy and... You know the Richard Donner films, really, and and making making mm-hmm. that so, uh, but interesting nonetheless. And it was exciting to see Nicolas Cage on the screen, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it was really exciting. And again, just seeing him fight that giant spider was just so cool. Yeah, I kind of wish they had interacted with him, interacted with the Flash and everyone. I think that would have been fun, but I it would have taken a lot more money and a lot more time to make that happen yeah even if they just came in and helped like punch for a second but they all just kind of look for a moment they give you almost like a uh like a spielberg stare of (laughs) a sense of awe of like what's happening and then they kind of and then it just like kind of move on their days i guess (laughs) or yeah well that's interesting okay anyway (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i think it would have been cool to have them like interacting a little bit like maybe Maybe uh, Nicolas Cage Superman saves Michael Keaton's Batman. I, I think that would have been really cool. Uh, yes, that would have been. Yeah, that probably would have been the move. You're absolutely right. Is to have Nick Cage's Superman save Michael Keaton's Batman. Wow, they should have done that. But yeah, I don't know what what they would have needed to make that happen. I think a lot more money know? than they had. <laughs> yeah, for many reasons. Um, yeah, and you know, yeah, yeah. And it's also, you know, you're talking about de-aging Nicolas Cage, first off. That's a that's a lot of money. And then you're having him interact with a, a modern-day Batman. I, I think it would have been a really big amount of money. <laughs> yeah. I feel, like, I feel like they could have made him fly really quickly. And then he just flies, and then you see him kind of, like, go, like, like you know, into the plane, the bat, the bat wing... And, like, you know, at the same time, he's grabbing that Batman. And then you see him, like, kind of put him down. And they can almost use, like, a composite shot 
of Batman just standing there on the ground already. And then you have like the CG just swoop of him flying away real quick. And then you see him back on his home world. You could have him, you, you, yeah, you could have him maybe come in and um, save the plane before it crashes into one of Zod's, you know, planes or uh, uh, alien ships. And, you know, they have a quick exchange like, God, that would have been so yeah, cool. Yeah, Michael Keaton's like, uh, thanks, <laughs> I guess. And he's just like, yeah, you know, you know, till next time. And he flies off, you know, something cool like that. I don't know. But, uh, eh, yeah. alas. Because you, you, know. don't, you don't see, like, this 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 version of, of the world just does end here. Like, like it, it's, a, it's a broken world. It's almost like that What If episode with Doctor Strange for yeah, Marvel. I don't know if you saw I that, did, the animated. I did. It's so good. I love that episode. It's better than the Doctor Strange like, movies. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely the best episode of What If in my opinion and yeah i i definitely loved it better than multiverse of madness which you know that movie was okay it was all right but this this was this was really cool <laughs> yeah. go check that out if you haven't seen it listener yeah now kevin smith wanted ben affleck for superman at the time before affleck played george reeves in hollywood land yeah and where uh he wears the s of the chest s of hope uh, Robert Rodriguez was offered Superman Lives. Uh, Nick Cage had a suit fitting. They built a set that was Krypton. It was the set for the... And the movie was set to be released during for the 60th anniversary of Action Comics. And uh, Tim Burton had a 5 million pair play deal. And Nick Cage got $20 million pair play deal. So um, Burton left after that year to do Sleepy Hollow for WB nice. instead. Wow. Yeah. What a, what a strange, uh, <laughs> strange events that go forward from there. It's, it's interesting. It, it was a time where, you know, these films and Tim Burton was at his height. He was at his peak and could have done anything he wanted. And he still couldn't get the Superman movie made. It's strange. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's sad. And then they still, they still, he still got paid and he still got paid. Nick yeah. Cage still got paid. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of like, uh, Marlon, well, Marlon Wayans, who was up for the role of Robin in Batman returns. Uh, and he, he, tell, yeah. he tells his story in an interview. He's like, yeah, I had the role. So they, I, they got, I got paid more money than I've ever had before. I went out and bought all this stuff and then I didn't have the role. <laughs> so it's yeah. interesting. I mean, you know, they always talk about, you know, when it comes to acting, I forget what actor said this. It was one of the old school actors. He said, you know, I do acting for free. The waiting I get paid for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I think that Barry Sonnenfeld, who directed Men in Black at the time, I think he would have been the perfect director uh, Ooh, for a Superman That would have been interesting. That He did Men in Black, yeah. right? Uh, before or after that? Um, around, I mean, right around the same time of 95. So I think it was right before or during, oh, Yeah, really. Like, I think it was like a perfect moment where they could have gotten him instead, maybe. But yeah, I think that would have been a great, I, I actually like Robert Rodriguez doing it. I, I, did you mention Robert Rodriguez was going to do Superman at one point? Yeah, I would have. I yeah, would love that. he was optioned for it. I would love that. Yeah. Now, yeah. If we can, again, the box office receipts for this movie, I, th I think we need to ignore box office receipts to a degree because uh, you can make a trillion bucks with Endgame because you ignore the box office gross of Captain America 1 and Thor 1. Like, these movies are investments, right, to a larger thing. 
at least the way that Marvel built them. Yeah, Marvel was smart about it. Uh, unfortunately, DC was kind of like, we want Justice League right now because the Avengers just came out. And they were just starting. They just had Man of Steel. And they don't, they didn't, yeah. they didn't do the proper investment to get to that point. And they just wanted it right now because they saw the numbers for Justice League. But they weren't paying attention to Thor, the Dark World, or, or, or the first Thor movie making modest money, doing okay. Captain America, you know, they did all this build up to get where they were going. And DC didn't want to do that. Exactly. And then, yeah. And then a Captain Marvel can make a billion dollars because of your investment. Exactly. And Captain Marvel, honestly, was not that great of a film. It was okay at best for me. Yeah, and then the second one's good, and the third one is great, I think. Like, the second and third one, I think, are both Are you talking about Captain America or Captain Captain, Marvel? Oh, Captain America, yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. I love the Captain America movies. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. Um, Captain America, from the the get, was great. And they even have another Captain America movie coming out. Granted, without Chris Evans. uh, (laughs) Chris Evans isn't going to be Captain America, but, you know... Uh, they're still making them. They're on the fourth one. It's like it's gonna be good. And the second Captain Marvel looks yeah. really great too. I just saw the trailer, and they're doing more. Oh, it looks with the fun. Cats. It looks so much fun. And the show was really fun. Oh my fun. god, the cats! So the three of them together yeah, is gonna be really Ms. Marvel great. was great. I, I think that's gonna be a lot of fun. I, I'm excited about that. I really hope Marvel comes back up on where the, their level was before Endgame, but. Uh, they're going to have to do a lot of fixing right now because it's, it's kind of a mess. But it, it, they're basically... I, I feel like if DC and Marvel can have great films come out at the same time, everybody wins. It, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Exactly, yeah. And it just... Yeah. You can enjoy both comics. You can enjoy reading Marvel and DC comics. There's never been like, you have to just read one or the other. You can read both still. Yeah, there's this competition yeah there's always this competition like are you a marvel fan or dc fan and it's like i'm both i'm all exactly yeah i I think it's kind of ridiculous to have to choose sides but uh people love competition i guess yeah it's like i guess mathematically i grew up with the dc animated universe with like the the shows on the wb network as a kid so like the batman animated series superman animated series static shock batman beyond so like but justice league like that to me is like my like like how i got into dc and marvel so it was dc first but still it's like like the the marvel movies are so magical that they were able to do that and they were able to make that happen and kind of set up a character give them a movie then give them a trilogy it was like and then put them in a bigger movie all together uh, a lead up to it like it's all so brilliantly crafted in that dynamic that it but that's why it was so successful right right yeah for sure yeah here's some hollywood insider knowledge for you uh my buddy oh, fun. who worked on this movie uh he said that uh i don't know if we should say this actually <laughs> oh man oh you can't do that oh i was like excited and you're like and now i'm pulling the rug <laughs> yeah they said that can you can you be can you be coy about it or or uh can you can you talk around it so to speak well there's a there's a person there's an actor in this movie who had a stunt double that's a, i just won't say the actor's name i think that's fair right yeah yeah that's that's vague the initial shoot uh the actor would sleep with 
their stunt double and they would make jokes all the time around shooting and say uh, it's like I'm fucking myself so there's your insider wow. there's your Hollywood insider knowledge I mean I can already guess who it is yeah and we're still on the flash right we're talking about the flash yeah it's my- Michael Shannon he <laughs> 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 you know I, yeah i just see the, the dead serious yeah i just seem to be fucking myself and <laughs> no, yeah. um, <laughs> no oh, i i can imagine who it is and i'm glad you didn't say the name but we all know i think and uh that sucks i mean you hear rumors about people being a certain way on set and then you you know I remember when Christian Bale came out uh, that the video, the, not video, but the audio leaked of him screaming on set. And it was really disappointing to know your, you know, one of your favorite stars is acting that way. But yeah. then you hear the context of what happened that happened afterwards, where he immediately had gone to that person to apologize and they worked it out. You don't know that part because it's not as enticing to know the ins and outs of it. But this, that that if an actor did that that's just unacceptable yeah like, uh, going on set and being like yeah uh, i'm having sex with this person and saying it out loud i mean i just couldn't it's very inappropriate i, I don't imagine a world yeah. very inappropriate it's just i i mean being very an actor toxic for myself I, I very toxic and i just i feel like i feel like the the, the set needs to be a place where everyone can feel comfortable to do their thing and, and to have fun and be there to do the work and enjoy life. And, and if you're going to set with someone on set, like a star causing trouble, it's miserable. And I can imagine a lot of people felt that way, unfortunately. And sets are really stressful. And I think that if you're on a set day to day for 10 months and you're someone like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're someone who's the lead and I'm not saying this movie, I'm saying maybe a show made in the 1950s. That was a Superman show. And you're stressed out being Superman and you're George Reeves. And it takes a toll on your life to do that. And I think you you get tired of doing the same thing every day, being driven to set at 4 a.m. and just saying lines. And it is grueling. Like, I know people who don't work in the industry don't really understand how grueling, like, a 10-day shoot for a TV show is. And then you you churn out that episode and it's done. Uh, but like you go you go late nights sometimes you just don't want to be on set anymore you just want to be home and you're just stuck under lights you know and it gets stressful and a lot of these actors do resort to drinking because that's all they have time to do to a degree and they choose to do it but also you know it's also an addiction and then it consumes your life and becomes part of your repertoire and gets to the point where you know some people unfortunately do get suicidal like in the 50s like george reeves and again if people need help with that they definitely need to call suicide hotlines and things like that absolutely yeah the it's very sad um but i think it's also important to kind of celebrate people and their lives and we can't blame them for you know, for addiction and for suicidal thoughts and for things like that. 
And I think we, it's important yeah. to celebrate life. And again, I think that's what movies do. And I think that's what the end of this movie is doing. Yeah. I think that the end of the movie pulled on the heartstrings quite a bit, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, let's get into the history of this film real quick. The, the, the Flash movie, like how long it's been. You know, there was always going to be a Flash movie. Oh, my God. Movie. There was always going to be a Flash, right? <laughs> Adam Brody from the OC was attached to play the Flash in the Justice League Mortal movie, which George Miller yeah. almost directed, but the writer strike of 2007-2008 killed it. It had a February 2008 start shoot date. It was that close. Dude, it was it was insane and they had Army Hammer as Batman and uh a lot of other actors who ended up in other comic book properties were in that movie and they were ready to shoot and there's even uh production pictures of them in costume out there and it, it's crazy really crazy yeah dj Car- cartrona was Car- going to play cartrona he was going to be superman yeah and later him yep. and adam brody became part of the shazam family of superheroes in the shazam duology yep. which is so cool yep when i yeah yeah and uh Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, when I saw Adam Brody in Shazam 1 pop up, it's the same thing. It was the same thing when Nick Cage popped up. I just screamed in the theater. I was like, really? We're doing this? Yes! Yes! Oh, yeah! They did it! They actually did it! Like, both times, I was really excited. Nick Cage more. Yeah, I I don't think a lot of people... (laughs) I don't think people really understand the history of that. Uh, They're just like, oh, okay, that's the kid growing up, uh, but... You know, general population people that watch movies don't know, but we know, and that's exciting. And we know that these two, at least these two, were uh, at one point, you know, those characters, the Flash and Superman, which I believe each of their powers corresponds with oh my the gosh. Flash and Superman. So really cool stuff. Really cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really wanted to see the, the movie because uh, there's a lot of information out there about Justice League Mortal and the, the script. And that would have been an interesting film. And George Miller's a fantastic director. Oh, so he's the best. I think we missed it. Yeah, I think we missed a really good opportunity for a movie there. But, you know, it happens. You know, Hollywood, it's a fickle place, man. Yeah. If we go back to December 2004, it was announced that David Goyer... Goyer would write, produce, and direct a Flash movie. It was part of his, like, deal, basically. But on October 15th, 2014, at noon, that was this big thing that Warner Brothers announced. They had they knew they had to do something against Disney, so they officially announced that they're going to make three Fantastic Beasts movies and that they're going to jump in and make ten DC Entertainment, as they were calling them at the time, uh, branded content films between warner brothers pictures and new line so that was the that was the moment they actually said the studio will release three pictures in 2016 2018 and 2020 based off of jk rowling oh wait nope that's not it that's the that's the fantastic beast one uh again uh, trans lives matter as we go down over here uh, and the massive expansion of DC of, of the studio's DC Entertainment brand and content, Warner Brothers Pictures and New Line will release a slate of at least ten of at least ten movies, as well as a standalone Batman and Superman films. 
from 2016 through 2020 that expands this prized universe of characters. So it's Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. It even says directed by Zack Snyder, 2016. Suicide Squad, directed by David Ayer, 2016. Wonder Woman, starring Gal Gadot, 2017. Justice League Part 1, directed by Zack. With Ben, Henry, and Amy Adams reprising the roles, 2017. The Flash, starring Ezra Miller, 2018. Aquaman, starring Jason Momoa, 2018. Shazam, 2019. Justice League Part 2, directed by Zack Snyder, 2019. Uh, Cyborg, starring <laughs> Ray Fisher, 2020. And then finally, Green Lantern, 2020. Ugh. Thoughts? Man. Yeah, so I actually had an interesting conversation briefly with Ken Knight, uh, the director of Twelfth Night I was recently in. Yeah. And he... He is very skeptical of the James Gunn universe coming out because of stuff like this. Because we had all these films slated and all of it fell through almost, almost everything. And I can see where people are like, yeah, I'll see it when it's out, if it's real. Because I get it. I get it totally. Uh, Marvel, less so. They usually stick pretty close to what they're going to release. Everything almost comes out. Uh, there's a couple of outliers here and there, like Inhumans and things like that, that were showcased at Comic-Con but didn't come out. Um, Fair. But when it comes to DC, it's just a, it's just kind of a cluster of, of all these films that are either disappointing. Like, you imagine you're in Comic-Con and you're finding out that Suicide Squad is going to happen. I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. Because... You can imagine that movie in your head, but when the film comes out and it's a financial and critical disappointment, then it just kind of lose you lose steam for a lot of other projects because the the one of the big highlights doesn't work. Batman v Superman was a big disappointment. I know that it has some fans. I know a lot of people are gonna like they're gonna be like, oh, you need to watch the uh, extended edition. I didn't. Like <laughs> That's fair. I yeah. didn't like the extended edition. I didn't like the. I didn't like the original. It, it's just boring, and there's a reason why it didn't make enough money. Yeah. It, it should have made a lot more. Easily made a billion. Didn't even. It, it hardly hit it. Yeah. You know, it's not. Um, it doesn't make sense that people are so. I mean, angry that they're rebooting something that isn't making any money <laughs> yeah that's totally fair it's very interesting i will actually say out of all of these yeah. movies i'm looking at the list now the only one that didn't come out was cyborg i guess green lantern and justice league part two like the last three on the list really didn't come out but all of the other movies on the list well well i guess shazam aquaman uh, wonder woman suicide squad all of those that got sequels, really, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, you know, and th that's fine. Um, at least most of those came out, but the problem was there's more misses than hits. Yeah, yeah. With that list, if you look down the list, there's like maybe a couple that were great, but even even something if you enjoyed the Suicide Squad, which I thought it was one of the best DC films they made by James Gunn, of course, mm -hmm. it didn't make any money. Because of COVID and yeah. the fact they released it directly on to HBO Max at the time. Yeah. So financially, it didn't make a lot of money. Yeah. And from what I read, because uh, it taught like in money, because uh, some, I mean, 
let's see, Aquaman made a billion, right? I guess, but and Wonder Woman made about eight hundred and fifty, I think. But um, I think from what I read, the Justice League Part Two money that they had set aside, they allocated that to other movies instead. So that's and how we ended up with Joker and uh, Birds of Prey. And Birds of Prey kind of medium to underperformed. Again, it had a $100 million budget, I think. And it made like over, I think it made like $230 million. So, I mean, it did all right. But like, obviously the Joker on a $100 million budget makes a billion dollars. And yeah, that like that movie, um, you know, certain there is there is a couple billion dollar hits in here if i parse out justice league part two and two what they actually use the money for i guess is what i'm saying <laughs> yeah well you know the joker being a billion dollar hit it, it says a lot about like what people want to see and that's not even connected to the dc universe like it's not part of the multiverse or any any connectivity to anything else it's its own thing and it's getting a sequel, and it'll probably make a billion dollars again because you have Joaquin Phoenix, you have uh, Lady Gaga coming in as Harley. I, this is uh, this is its own franchise at this point. Yeah, and know? it's Elseworlds. I think they're going to label it as Elseworlds, according to James Gunn, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to do that? And uh, on top of that, uh, it's funny because the the a lot of fans were not behind this movie. They were like, well, it doesn't connect to anything. So why do I care? Yeah. Well, apparently the general pop does care. Mm -hmm. The general audience does care about seeing the Joker and it, and you know, fanboys, we just fans are, I'm not saying this for everyone, but there's a lot of toxicity out there. And there's a lot of people who are just so against anything that's different or new they're so against thinking outside the box. I get so tired of looking at when people, uh, the biggest one was like, everybody has their casting ideas of what they want for the movies. And if they don't get them, they don't like it. They, they're like, uh, they won't watch the movie yeah. because they didn't cast so-and-so. So, uh, one of the biggest ones was like Lex Luthor and they wanted Brian Cranston and Brian Cranston recently went out of his way to talk about, it, and he's like, that's just lazy casting. <laughs> yeah. That's because I'm bald. I'm bald on breaking bad and I'm, I'm menacing. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. That's, that's why they're not casting directors and they shouldn't be because they just, they have no, they, they're like, Oh, I put this picture up of, from the comic book and this picture, look at the way they look. They're exactly the same. They should cast this person. And and sometimes that works. That's why I just find when they do when they take a fan cast thing and actually put that in a movie like they did for Doctor Strange 2, I find that just uninspired. Like I don't find that clever or cool. I don't know. It just seems un uninspiring to me. It, well, there's a reason and I I didn't mind John Krasinski showing up, but I am glad that they are recasting for the Fantastic Four movie. They're going to get a different read in there. Uh, it was a fun cameo, sure. But for a full, full-length feature film, I don't think I want to see John Krasinski be Mr. Fantastic. Uh, I, I, would, I would like if they went really different. Yeah, yeah. they, they clearly just did it sure, as a sure. nod to the uh, fans. But I, I don't think... I, I think it, when it comes down to like casting most people... Uh, it's so interesting to me that people get so pissed about, you know, 
the way they look racially or, you know, the color of their skin and things like that when it has nothing to do with the character. Yeah. So you have someone like Black Panther who needs to be black because he lives in Wakanda. But if you try to recast the Little Mermaid, people are like, well, she's not black. It's like, she's a mermaid. Yeah, come on. Like, <laughs> what, what about that makes her white i mean specifically needs to be white it doesn't make any sense and well if you're if you're uh, really breaking down systemic racism uh which is what risks racism right <laughs> uh in hollywood right. uh box office gross in certain countries people people think that movies will make less if there's black leads which has been proven wrong time and time again you can make over a billion dollars with black lead like it's absolutely ridiculous to not think that but there's this systemic racial idea the systemic racism in hollywood that that can't happen and that it's prevented at any moment when you have these you know you have these certain actors that people are think are going to be billion dollar actors simply because they are young and white and then the movie doesn't perform well and then Disney is like, oh, I guess Lone Ranger, like, what are we going to do with this now? You know? <laughs> I knew you were going to say Lone <laughs> yeah. Ranger. I don't know why. Well, I just, it was either, I had a it was either that or John Carter from Mars. <laughs> so it was, I actually like John Carter from Mars a lot. Yeah. I, I, I felt, you, I, I felt Army Hammer was an easier punch than that other guy. I don't even remember <laughs> his name, but. Uh, Ty, uh, Tyler, Kitch? uh, he played Gambit. Tyler Kitch? Um, is that it? Tyler Hitch. Yeah. Kitch, yeah. He's, yeah, and he's fine, but I think they tried to make him a big actor, right? And it just never took. And just because he, like, it, like, it yeah. doesn't matter the color of your skin. If you're a likable person, you're a likable person. You can make a billion dollars across the world. Like, we need, this is how we can fight this. Like, the, it's systemic because it's built into the system. So we can break the system's mm -hmm. mind of thinking that a movie won't perform as well with a black lead and then there's this whole argument online see that's the thing like movie money like watching the box office gross and receipts can have it just it ends up having the systemic racist component just because there are people on the internet that will bring up well look this movie didn't make as much money because because it had a black lead it's like no that the like you're adding that positive correlation <laughs> there and it doesn't necessarily it's not necessarily that again uh, Will Smith was was a thing in the '90s for a reason, you know. So yeah, and yeah, yeah. That, it's so dude almost played Neo. Yeah, in the Matrix. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that would have made a damn difference if he did play him. No, like as far as money, I think it would have made just as much money, if not more. You know, uh, and I don't, uh, I don't have a problem with the black lead. I think, I think uh, we we're in a day and age where movies like Creed three can make a lot of money yeah. and there's a black lead, even though the series started out with a white lead. Yeah. I, I think it's just ridiculous. And, uh, and this whole argument is like, I can't wait to see black Panther be cast by Ryan Gosling. It's like, dude, that you're missing the point completely. Like that doesn't correlate at all. No. Like you, you can, you don't recast. Yeah. Yeah. There's no equity in, in that mindset. And I think that's what people don't no. understand is there's, there is an equity to, race in society and in our culture and people don't put that balance into consideration sometimes or even are aware of it they're just ignorant towards that and make those silly jokes that just don't make any sense actually 
Yeah, I, I'm so tired of seeing it. The the fanboy toxicity online is really palpable. It runs deep. <laughs> and to- it, it does. And talking about the toxicity on the internet, we'll talk about the changes at Warner Brothers because this is our final segment. Yeah. We're going to talk about the end of the movie now, The Flash, because there was three original endings. Well, there's three endings for this movie that they shot, and they ended up going with the last one, obviously. That was only shot in January of 2023, the same year that this movie has come out. Uh, And I got this from The Hollywood Reporter, but The Flash uh, at the the original end of the movie was on the courthouse steps, and um, I don't know if it was walking out of the car, but he went and met up with Supergirl, played by Sasha Collier who plays her in the movie, who's phenomenal in the movie, and Batman, played by Michael Keaton. And they thought that this would be, yeah, this was the original ending of the movie, and it made the most sense to everybody, because mainly you see them die in the film. So this is, this is, this does feel like the real ending of the actual script, the original script in a way, because yeah, you see them die at the end, like all those times, but then, you see them so they're fine right that's what i would think yeah yeah that's that's kind of the ending i think would have naturally made sense at least to me yeah but then after emmerich and hamada were ousted from warner brothers which i'm saying is a good thing although i don't think zaslav coming in is necessarily a good thing either but michael deluca and pamela adby were uh, installed um, as the Warner Brothers Pictures chairman and CEOs. So they came up with a new ending. This version, again, the same, also on the courthouse steps, but now it's Sasha Kai Supergirl, is joined by Henry Cavill Superman, and Wonder Woman, played by Gal Gadot. And Keaton was also there and remained. Um, and again, this was the setup. Cavill's Superman spinoff, Wonder Woman 3, uh, Sasha Kaye either in the Superman spinoff, probably more likely. Because the original ending was going to set up Batgirl, right, with Michael Keaton's Batman, and was going to set up Supergirl as a movie standalone. So the second ending would have set up Wonder Woman 3, Henry Cavill's Superman sequel, maybe with Sasha Kaye Supergirl, that's my assumption. And then still the Batgirl with Keaton. So we were they were able to have their cake and eat it too. Hmm. You still so this way you were still able to get that first ending but with all this extra added stuff now, right? Yeah. And you you said you preferred the last ending. I mean, I just think it's the, for me personally growing up, I remember having a debate on my friend's steps of what movie should we see? Batman and Robin or George of the Jungle and we were calling it the Battle of the Georges George Clooney and and George and George of the Jungle right so it was the Battle of the Georges and I mean I've definitely saw both those movies multiple times in theaters and I'm not ashamed of it of seeing Batman and Robin and seeing Batman Forever a bunch as a kid because I I love those movies again in their own right if Batman and Robin was the only Batman was the final Batman movie forever ironically enough then uh that would be awful right uh like it killed the franchise but the fact that we've had like seven more batman movies after it like i think if you want a fun campy batman movie you can watch that one if you want a dark brooding serious batman movie that makes you cry and that's 
I'm, I'm, you're an emotional wreck after watch the dark night you know like like I, it's hard it's honestly hard for me to just put on the dark night and have it on in the background while for me it's easier to put on batman forever and have it on in the background if that makes any sense oh yeah and i I think uh, I think that says uh, a lot about the movie in a way. It's like you have this fun popcorn entertaining thing you can jump in and out of, whereas you have this smart, calculated, emotionally devastating film that forces you to keep your eyes glued to the TV. But at the same time, that's something you can't just put on whenever. So... Yeah, I get it. And, and that's the beauty of the Batman franchise. You can go either way. You can do all these things with it. And it it feels almost like a natural fit for the character sometimes. You know, like, I I don't know if I want to see... I actually know I don't want to see Robert Pattinson's Batman for Brave and the Bold. So you have a chance to do something completely different there, you know? I have a feeling you are <laughs> not maybe not in brave and the bold but yeah. they'll tease a batman in that movie but i well he's got to be in the movie if his name's in the title i i would assume um but i don't i that's again that's why i think they're going with dick grayson's batman for the james gunn of it all and then which is interesting because that means a bruce wayne still exists if you have a damian wayne in that universe but then you'll try to find the Bruce Wayne and then find him maybe in a multiverse and he is Robert Pattinson. I don't know. Like they, or they somehow yeah. fold in that universe at some point, which was the rumor that they were going to do. So I'm just going with like an internet rumor that felt more vibrant than the other ones to me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I really just hope it's a good movie. All in all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, so we saw George Reeves. George Reeves. Uh, we didn't see Super Pup, though. And the Super Pup was this. Uh, well, they're saving for they saving that for Superman Legacy from what is rumored. Oh, I'm sure uh, he, you know, James Gunn loves animals and he's an animal lover. He has a cat that's awesome, by the way. <laughs> and that's great. He has a cat that's awesome. <laughs> I guarantee you that dog will be in there when they were making the 60s superman tv series or the 50s superman tv series they actually shot a pilot for for super dog on the set really yeah and they use people in dog costumes and if you ever look it up it's the scariest what? looking thing in the world there's like little clips of it okay i need to see this i'm going to youtube right now <laughs> yeah put that up for later <laughs> Oh my god, super it was it Super Dog or Super Pup? Adventures of Super Pup? Yeah. Wow. Adventures of Super Pup. Oh my god. Okay, I have seen pictures. Yes, okay. It's uh, okay, it wasn't what I imagined in my head, uh but it is creepy. Yes. Yeah. I have seen that and that is that is nightmare fuel. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Imagine wow. if they put uh, that in the flash, like you saw George Reeves and then right <laughs> next to him, there was super pup. And it was just this, this, you know, again, these were played by short people too, like little people. So imagine having this just like smaller person next to him, but in the dog costume, but like also kind of CG because you're in the chrono ball because stuff in the chrono ball is allowed to look rubbery off CG. 
dude. Yeah, that's uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I I would I would definitely. I mean, might as well. You know, put it in there. Put it in the next movie. Put it in <laughs> Superman Legacy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're we're at we're at the end. Wow. Um, I have one more thing okay. to say, which I just find absolutely fascinating, and it goes all back to this Adventures of Superman show from the fifties. I it does end it on like not a tragic note, but just like maybe more of a somber note. So we'll give our thought. We'll give our final thoughts after this little bit right here. George Reeves, uh, in June. 1959 you know unfortunately he suddenly died so they had to do something for the show so for a while the idea was maybe we can make the show superman's pal jimmy olsen instead with the focus on jack larson's jimmy olsen character right and the thing was they still wanted to use composite stock shots of George Reeves and a stunt double to be filmed from behind. But Larson, he didn't want it. He rejected it. Good. Oh, I think, uh, I think so soon, especially after someone dying. Yeah. That that does feel wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, wow, that's crazy. The thing that I always, struck me about this too and i'm not going to remember their names right now but again you had the original uh, 1940s serialized superman and then you had batman and batman and robin the sequel right so you had you had those those are like the original og black and whites and then you have in the 50s you have the adventures of superman with george reeves if i'm if i remember correctly the original so you have the original cast from the serials in the 40s, and then you have the new cast. And I think in the new cast, the Lois Lane drops out after the first season. So then they got the original Lois Lane from the black and white serials to be the Lois Lane in The Adventures of Superman. Wow, really? Yeah, it's something like that. <laughs> I don't see now. I've got to go back and watch the show. I kind of, I'm just so interested. I saw some episodes when I was a kid, but. I barely remember them, but I, I would love to go back and watch them. Right, super fascinating stuff, for sure. Well, I saw Hollywood Land with Ben Affleck playing George Reeves, and that was fascinating. That was good. Yeah, I really enjoyed that film. Uh, it's and it's quite sad, unfortunately. Yeah, Ben Affleck's wonderful. He's he's an incredible actor. He's so good in the Flash uh, as Bruce Wayne specifically. Like he's great as Batman. And- movie but i think he his little bruce wayne scene is so special and perfect and just great i think i love the action scenes too where he's fighting on the bridge i i really enjoyed all of that yeah you want to know something funny it'll be the last thing i say about multiverse stuff but apparently there's a rumor that ben affleck will be returning as daredevil for the uh deadpool movie (laughs) i can totally see that yeah that would be awesome yeah Yeah. i would love that (laughs) yeah because they yeah that would be wonderful and i can totally see them pulling that off and that's kind of closing that little button for him closing that loop and being able to just play the character again i think that's what's great about all of this honestly is these actors or these characters being able to come back and like kind of closing the loop the one last time the one that makes me the happiest is Billy D. Williams being able to come back to reprise his role as Two-Face. Even though it's one line, 
in the Lego Batman movie. Right. It's still like so special and <laughs> wonderful. They were able to pull that off that he's still alive and they're like, Yeah, let's do it. He's still alive, right? Like if they're still so cool. Yeah, they're still alive, go for it. If if they have passed on, then maybe ask their estate. <laughs> and if they say yes, yeah. Then and... <laughs> if you can do it and it feels right in the movie, if there feels appropriate, then pull it in. I'm I'm totally for that, I guess. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. So um final thoughts. Yeah, uh, looking forward to the DC Universe being rebooted, but I did thoroughly enjoy The Flash. I, I am conflicted about it, but uh, nonetheless enjoyed my time watching the movie and looking forward to what James Gunn has up his sleeve. Absolutely, yeah. I fully was totally in the bag and enjoyed The Flash uh, film from start to finish. I had a really, really fun time with it. I do think like the Zod stuff, maybe necessarily it could have been like a different type of thing, but... That seems like a remnant from the original script, the original shooting period, right? And that's why I think they added in that scene earlier on that it was like they needed a reason for Barry to really want to uh, save the world from that, uh, you know, from Zod and not just go back in time and try to do it and, and or, you know, put the can back instead, I guess. And so, like, they gave him that yeah. reason of, like, I was just learning my powers back then. And then you see that little flashback of him trying to save that one kid. Yeah, that, that was quite emotional. Yeah. Yeah. And in the spaghetti of it all, the spaghetti-verse as it is, I think that it's really cool. <laughs> they explain the multiverse through spaghetti in this movie and that the crux point, the main MacGuffin of the film is this can of tomato sauce or diced tomatoes or tomatoes it's a can of tomatoes and i think that's really neat because the tomatoes represent one timeline pasta represents all of the timelines and you put all of that together and you get a good italian meal which is great uh, baby you got a stew going yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah a multi a, a stew of multiverse multiverse of stewness yeah which is wonderful <laughs> and it's fun and now i'm hungry yeah so go eat <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah uh, the michael keaton of all the michael keaton of it all is why i was there and i loved it so much and i do think he could have had more of a, of a reason because you know that batman is a loner and there, maybe he could have had more of a reason to be there for barry but i think just the idea of barry losing his mom is enough for batman to help you know I, th I, th yeah. I think that's it. And I think that's really beautiful. And just seeing Michael Keaton's Batman stand there with Supergirl and with the Flash was incredible. It was phenomenal. Yeah. And I'm never going to unthink that your idea that Nick Cage should have gone and saved Keaton's Batman. like, And then they kiss for a second or something. <laughs> Like on the cheek. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Or wherever. I mean, it doesn't matter. I, whatever they want, you know? As long as it's consensual I want, I between want the two of them. Nope. They can do what they want. I, that, whatever happens, that's what I want. That's what I yeah. Want. You, you'll never forget that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show today, man. You're welcome. Really appreciate it. Again, your podcast? Yeah, Film Vets. 
film that and it's actually more of a youtube channel but we do have podcasts okay yeah check out their youtube channel film vets thank you again for being here paul uh check out the long beach shakespeare company's helen borgers theater and her upcoming schedule and everything that you can see and hear there hell yeah i've been your host chris booker taylor with me was paul allen dixon thank you again paul Thank you, Chris. Once more, check him out on HBO. Oh, that was sorry, Max. Check him out on on Cinemax. <laughs> <laughs> what is Cinemax? Skinemax? Yeah. Whatever. Check <laughs> check Paul Allen Dixon out on Skinemax, and uh, keep on uh, listening to this podcast. Oh, and you can check out my other podcast now. I did one episode about Star Wars, real quick, and that's the Christopher. Ooh. That's the Christopher Sky talking podcast with christopher skywalken <laughs> and jeremy aurelius and Love in it. that episode we discuss unmade star wars game ideas that they developed during the making the blue sky period of the force unleashed so it's like 2005 to 2008 under george lucas and lucas arts as a whole there they concepted about conceded like 11 10 ideas for different games that never got made or that certain ideas you know in star wars they never get lost they always find some way to use an idea in, in another story even if it's not, it's not the origin point of where it wanted to be and so uh you you see a lot of the um a lot of the dna of jedi fallen order and even the new Star Wars game that just got announced and The Force Unleashed, you see all those DNA strands flowing into those games. And even like the new ideas for the new movies. Um, one of the new movies, Dawn of the Jedi, there was a Jedi Prime game that they were going to make. And there's a whole backstory and they tell you the whole story. We get all these old games ideas from the Art of the Force Unleashed book. So you could check that out. But yeah, definitely download the Christopher Sky Talking podcast with Christopher Skywalken and Jeremy Aurelius. Again, I've been your host here, Chris Booker Taylor. I've been with Paul Allen Dixon, and that's all, folks. Rawr! This has been a full dinosaur production. <laughs>